So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Hello, Rebels. Welcome back. Welcome back. We've had a busy week, haven't we? Busy old week. Yeah, we've been been all over the place. Yeah, so we um, had a couple of speaking gigs this week and we ended up in... Birmingham we did we did two gigs on in one day on Wednesday we were in Birmingham in the morning yeah and then London at an event for Tribe in the evening yeah a lot lot of train travel that day yeah I love I love those kind of speaking gigs although like we kind of shit ourselves when we're on stage a little bit um, because it's kind of nerve-wracking but I really love that sort of interaction with people because the podcast is great and we know that we're helping people because we get the DMs and stuff. Yeah. But, but when you... It's that seeing people in real life, isn't it? And getting that feedback. Yeah. Straight away, they just come up to you and they're like, oh my God, you said this. And it's so funny how people grab onto just little different yeah. bits and you're like, oh really? That bit is the bit that resonated with yeah. you. It's quite interesting. There was that one lady who came up after the talk in Birmingham and she was saying... With the stitching artwork. Yeah. Yeah. And she was saying, how do I stand out and charge for my work when everyone else in my niche is giving it away for free? Yeah. Which is a really kind of hard question that a lot of a lot of people will suffer with. Yeah. yeah it's all branding. Like, How much would you pay for just a plain black t-shirt? Um, like, I don't know, tenner, fiver? Yeah. Like you can get like a pack of pack of three from Amazon for like a tenner or something. Yeah. yeah. But like, what if I told you that this T-shirt won a won an award at London Fashion Week last year? It was worn by a celebrity. It was featured on the front of GQ magazine. It's made of some futuristic heat-resistant fabrics, and a percentage of the proceeds from this T-shirt go to charity. How much would you pay for it then? Yeah, a lot more, I suppose. And people do, don't they? Yeah, I mean, like if you think of like an Armani T-shirt, you could just get a plain black T-shirt that would be worth like 50 quid or something but it's that brand that people are prepared to pay for yeah i saw the other week that tiffany do um they sell a paperclip uh, and it's like 120 pounds my mum actually works in the jewelry industry and she was saying about tiffany and how the actual value of their metal is no different to the value of one you buy anywhere else but you're buying the tiffany brand yeah so just to say you've got a tiffany ring costs you a few extra grand to get the identical product but because it's got that Tiffany branding people just are prepared to pay more for it crazy isn't it yeah humans are funny so yeah really loving speaking super fun to be out there kind of really like interacting um, with people Um, and so I love watching other people speak as well and uh, someone that really has inspired me and the the first time um, I saw her she got up and spoke and that is our guest on the podcast this week, which is Shani Mears. Yeah, super exciting to have Shani on. She's so inspirational, especially for someone at such a young age. Yeah, Shani was an intern at Iris, uh, which is one of the biggest agencies in the world. 
Um, but she ended up starting a company, a new company, with uh, the CEO of Iris, <laughs> which is just so crazy. Like the intern and the CEO starting yeah. a company together. Um, and that's her current project, uh, The Elephant Room. So we talk about how how that all got started. And I think her journey is really going to resonate with so many people because uh, she's going to open your eyes to what's possible as soon as you start getting out there and just creating. I love how she says, even though she can't draw or paint, she feels like she really has a creative mind. Um, so many people get stuck to creativity being like art or painting or, or yeah. whatever. And it's like, it's totally not. It's just problem solving. Yeah, 100% is. And I think it's been a huge part of her success. So I think you will enjoy this episode. In this episode, we talk about running an agile agency, the importance of diversity, and measuring success by happiness. The moment I feel unhappy is the moment I sort of rework my goals. And like, I look back, I go back to the drawing board and I'm like, okay, I need to rethink this because I'm actually not happy right now. Like, We are super happy to be joined today by Shani Mears. Hey. who is from The Elephant Room and Guap Magazine, and we'll get into all of that sort of stuff. Shani's one of the hardest working people that I've ever met, um, yet she's never happy and always thinks that she should be working harder. <laughs> Hi, Shani, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? Um, I'm good, thank you, and thank you for having me and for the great intro. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. So, um, so tell us a bit about, so what takes the most of your time currently? Is it is it Guap Magazine? Is it elephant room or is it a split between the two um i'd say the elephant room the elephant room is like i'd say like my full-time job but with guap because like what i do at guap helps the elephant room and in my role it's like it's kind of the same role between the two i just do it alongside anything i'm doing and then guap takes up like quite a bit of my weekend sometimes so like i do work on the weekend and stuff so what is the elephant room so the elephant room we like we describe ourselves as a new creative company and the reason why we say that instead of advertising agencies because we don't want to be like siloed into just one type of advertising agency and think that we can only make adverts or commercials this year we shot like a music video and obviously as soon as we go into that sort of scene it's like now you're shooting music videos like well I thought you was an advertising agency and no one really understands that sort of agile way of like working so yeah we describe ourselves as a creative company and we just sort of want to operate within the advertising world and still be able to do like stuff that all the big um advertising agencies do but just a little bit differently when it comes to sort of representation when it comes to sort of creative output when it comes to sort of working with our consumers and our audience when it comes to also working with our client like we just want everything to be an inclusive process and there's not all this sort of no when when you're in agency land it's like it goes to one person then another person then the third person and then before it even gets to the client like back and feedback someone's already changed their mind at the top and it's like the process is so long so it's like cutting out all of that process and still making like amazing work you mentioned representation there mm. what do you feel like the lack of representation is in the industry at the moment it's loads of things really to be honest because I kind it's of, a long conversation yeah, i know yeah. but yeah but but in short I think advertising as it stands is like 86% white male and middle class, which is kind of poor, I think, because just considering like the wider world itself, like there's more people that come from loads of different backgrounds, they're different age, like even when it comes to 
representation of age is like it's crazy at the top like there's hardly anyone under the age of 40 then class is a very different thing geolocation when you come all the all the big ad agencies everyone knows are in London the likelihood that anyone will be from York or Leeds or Brighton is probably like zero to none unless someone's gone to uni and then they always had it in mind that okay I want to be in London but to actually be aware that that's a sort of route they can take from school or from college it's it's probably again like zero to none so it's kind of like representation across the board really so when it comes to sort of ethnicity nationality age location um class all of that even sexuality like now there's like a real big push in terms of like the lgbtq community and creating sort of groups that sort of represent them and that when they're doing stuff like a like you know like if a brief comes in for pride like we make sure that they're talking to lgbt people because again within the company itself they'll probably look around and be like oh my gosh guys like we're not as represented as we should (laughs) be do you know what i mean so again like just stuff like that and i think it's important that the conversation continues and not just within the adverts but outside of like who's making the ads and behind the camera as well yeah i think that's so important there's just self-awareness is kind of lacking Mm. because i think things have been done the same way for such a long time yeah like certainly here we we did a a campaign for um international women's day Mm. at that point i'm like okay i'm out (laughs) like you guys talk about like what like how yeah. can I how can I put forward this is what a campaign for International Women's Day should look like? Yeah. Um, and it and it's funny the campaign that that we did, it was hugely successful. It's not something that I ever would have thought of. Um, it yeah. ended ended up being and um, one of our artists, Sophie, she painted an image of of her nieces, um, three young girls, um, oh, nice. kind of, and they're all all holding hands. It was a really really beautiful piece, and we got such amazing feedback from it. I'm self-aware enough to go if this is a yeah. black issue, a, a, a Asian yeah, issue, yeah, yeah. A, a sex, race, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm self-aware enough. If you come and ask me for advice, I can advise you of what I think might be working. Yeah, but. yeah, definitely. And I think that's it. Like, it's like a lot of the time when the conversation comes up, it's kind of people think that people are trying to sort of say like no you can't say but it's actually not that it's just about being that having that self-awareness and saying that actually I can give you my opinion and like but I do think that we should get people who are of this race or of that age or of that sexuality or of that gender because obviously those are the people we're speaking to Mm. in sort of a wider context you know what I mean and I think a lot of the time people feel like they're being pushed out of the conversation rather than just like stepping to the side of it. Yeah. do you know what I mean and it's like and it's okay to be allies like that's what we need more of in like in any sort of marginalized group I think we just need more allies who are not like us but then who can say you know what actually this is what I think but obviously I'm aware that I'm not x or whatever and, and I think I, I do it all the time like, I, I I'm I don't identify as like gay or anything or trans or anything like that but I feel like I'm a super big ally for the LGBTQ community and the anything that I can like I'm like if I can help I'm here yeah. but I don't like I don't know their experience and I can't necessarily empathize but I can sympathize and do the best I can from my own resources do you know what I mean so I feel like that's what more people just need to be aware of like have that self-awareness and know who they are but then use their resources to help whatever community that is do you know what I mean so that's that's the thing that's that strikes me about you is 
you always want to lift everyone else up and you're always supporting everyone else. I think that's the reason why people are drawn to you and they are they are drawn to you. Like um, you just have this this kind of energy and I think it's because you help so many people. One massive example of that is the guest list. Yeah. Do you want to like describe a little bit about what you're doing with that? Yeah, so the guest list is a um, email network chain that I've created and it's basically, I describe it as an exclusively inclusive space, like place, so... It's um, a Google group that you sign up to or you get invited to. And then everyone in there is just encouraged to introduce themselves and then pass on opportunities or any events that are happening or anything. And everyone is like, I call it like a network for creators. And it's just about encouraging collaboration, encouraging sort of inclusivity and just access really. I think I feel like my frustration was prior to that is, um, I would get like it was little things I'd get invited to somewhere and then I'd put it in like my relevant group chats like anyone want to go here but then no one could make it and I'd be like this is such a shame like it's such a good event I've just I just can't go and like I'd feel really bad because like no one's that got that and I'm thinking like who who am I to sort of pass up that opportunity to someone who doesn't even know this this event is happening so I kind of just thought you know what next time I get stuff or anything I'm doing I'm just gonna um pass it on like Twitter and stuff and I kind of started doing that and again, I was just like, nah, I'm not getting enough responses. And then the guest list came in mind because I'm a part of another email network chain called She Said So, which they're massive. They're like women in music. But like, there's about, I think there's like 4,000 of us and counting and it's like all over the world. Like ladies from Barcelona, from New York, LA, Shanghai, like, and literally I've met so many people through that email and like, they were like, like so many people are like, when are you coming to the US to make sure you just come and do that? I'm thinking, what, this is so sick. So I just thought, yeah, let me just create the guest list. And then that's kind of what it is. And the guest list, the name is kind of like, you know, when you go to clubs and you're not on the guest list. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to wait very long. So it's kind of like no value, no entry. That's kind of how it is. And you have to just like, just for quality control, people explain like what they want to do or who they are and stuff like that. So yeah, like we've got some amazing people. Like I know you're a part of it and like so many people are from, um, so many different backgrounds like we've got some young people who are just trying to find themselves in the industry then we've got people like yourself who are already established and then we've got another lady I know she like works at Spotify and then it's like so random it's like so so random but it's so nice because so many things get shared in there things that I probably now wouldn't even have been able to find because I'm just not in that industry or not in that space so I'm really happy that everyone finds it sort of really useful and stuff and I'm always looking for feedback because I'm like, guys, is this working? Like, mm-hmm. is it good? But it's good because people do respond and like they give me valuable feedback. And I'm thinking about like in the new year, like branding it up and stuff, and doing like maybe like a um a, like a a link up for everyone to meet in person and stuff like that. So yeah, and I'm thinking about doing like a listers, so like having some people who are just like sort of ambassadors for the guest list and rather than me like going through quality control it's just like they can say something like oh david's my a-lister and i'll just trust that that person's okay because you're a part of it and then they'll be automatically added in do you know what i mean rather than reading through all these long <laughs> paragraphs and stuff of people so yeah that's it really 
Yeah, I think that's because it says on the signature of every email that comes through, um, no value, no entry. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's so important. And that's that's not value of yourself. That's like what value you can provide you can, to the yeah. community. And I think that's that's really beautiful. And people seem to be really embracing it. And yeah. people aren't afraid to ask for help, but they're mm. also not afraid to share like opportunities. And it's it's very like, and like you were saying, like here's an event, I can't go to it but maybe but maybe you could go and instead of going oh that looks cool but i'm busy yeah it's like that looks cool i'm busy but hey guys one of you could actually get some something really useful from this yeah defo like even like last week i was like quite ill and um, i was invited to the uganda and england like netball game and um nike were hosting it and i was just like no i was like i can't go i'm so <laughs> ill but actually then in the guest list like a girl got to go and she got to bring her friend and she was so happy like after she messaged me she was like oh thank you so much for like putting me on that list and allowing me to go and stuff so just stuff like that because it's like again someone would have never have known that was happening or should have never but she had like a real interest in sport and like a real interest in the game whereas I'm not really interested in netball, but it's something I'm so open to like going to. So I'm just glad that someone who actually is really interested got the opportunity to go. So, yeah. Yeah, I think well, like one of the reasons I'm always like trying to connect you with other people is because I see you providing so much value for other people. Mm-hmm. And what I always say to young creatives is like the more people that you help, yeah. like it's, it's just it's smart business sense. Like, yeah. it, like don't do it to expect something in return because then you will just be disappointed if you give all the time you'll be amazed what comes back to you comes back yeah definitely i think that's definitely true and i think that's something i learned quite quite early on like to be honest i've never really been like the sort of give to receive type of person anyway but I just kind of feel like I, I always say it to my friends I'm like who wants to be successful alone like mm. that's so boring <laughs> like do you know what I mean like I want to look around like my peers and just like all the people that I have around me and be like oh yeah you're an OG okay yeah like yeah. do you know what I mean so I know that I'm surrounded by the right it kind of gives me confirmation that I'm doing okay or I'm doing well that other people around me are doing so well like, I love seeing people thrive but I suppose some people there is that sort of element of fear like oh my gosh they might take my spot or oh my gosh like that inadequacy might come in but I think it's all about like building confidence and just connections and friendships and yeah. relationships and stuff so yeah they yeah. might take my spot they don't realize there's more than one spot yeah, literally. there's always more than one more spot more than loads <laughs> so yeah definitely when you were so you used to be a dancer right when mm-hmm. in your um when you were at uni and stuff yeah um, and that was kind of where you first learned the importance of networking and kind of how to yeah i, I mean i've been dancing since well I kind of, I still teach, but not, um, like I don't dance, dance anymore. But I've been dancing since I was about seven. And then I was teaching from about 13. And then, and then as soon as it was like school, college, and you could pick what you wanted to do. I've always been like doing performing arts, dance. I went to uni and did dance performance. Um, and in your head, you know, you never thought you'd be doing what you're doing now, right? No way, no way. Like I, I thought, I kind of thought that I'd be doing some sort of creative alongside dance, but more like creative direction. So I kind of like my ideal dream would have been like to direct the EMAs or something, like be like the creative director for that or something like that. But I think when I was 
think could have it could have been about 16 or 17 there was like a lot of like uh like knife crime and like gun crime and stuff in Birmingham and I just kind of wanted to do like you know like workshops to like raise awareness to more like young kids though so like early intervention so like eight nine years old um on like bullying and like gun crime knife crimes like when they get excluded from school and then I, I remember I applied for some funding from this place called V Inspired it doesn't exist anymore mm, I remember and that then, yeah, do you remember so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and then I got it, and it was I think I got like a thousand pounds to um, run some workshops, getting some other people to do like singing workshops and stuff. And I think it was at that point I was just like, yeah, in order for me to do stuff like this, I need to know the right people and the right people who would give value to the kids. So I think the idea of networking kind of kicked in. Not say early, but I was just more aware that okay, I need to meet a lot more people outside of like the dance world in order to really give back to these young people that I was trying to sort of educate on those workshops at the time. So, yeah. Wow. So when was the decision to move to London? What what kind of brought that around? Um, that was like inspired in uni because all my friends were from London and it just sounded like it was popping. Like they would all have events to go to, like... They would all have these parties and I'd just be like, what is going on? Like, what, how, how come everything happens in London? And again, like, I didn't even think I wanted to move here, move here. But it was when I was, um, I say, second year of uni, I started coming here a bit more because my cousin had moved here. And she was just like, oh, you can come and stay at mine if anything's going on. And then I'd kind of like took advantage of that and started coming to like more events, meeting more people. Instagram just started to like sort of pop off. So I was like looking at who I could follow and stuff. And then I was just like, yeah, that's it actually. After uni, this is the place to be. Like I'm trying to be here. And I didn't actually think I would move so quickly. Like, cause I, I graduated, well, I finished uni in May, but I graduated in November. So that kind of gave me a lot of like, thinking time, like what am I going to do? So I was cover teaching for a bit, like in secondary schools. And I was like, yeah, this is not me. And then um, when I was graduating, I applied for a job and like an internship. And then that's the one I got. And then that's what made me move. And that move was real quick. It was like, I think I found out in December and I moved in January. And where was your internship? It was at, so initially it started at Liberty. Um, and that was in Brixton for two months but then it was kind of like it was called Digify and there was 10 of us and there was eight different agencies that took like each of the individuals that were on the in like on the internship so how did you find out about that opportunity so I was already a part of like the living like they have like a alumni young people's network and there used to be an organization called somewhere too yeah, yeah. and that organization was also in Birmingham and the studio that I used to work at was a part of the somewhere to sort of network so young people could like come and use it and stuff like that and then I just was like really intrigued at like what they were doing so the guy who was the regional manager in Birmingham told me about Liberty and was like oh like that sort of the organization that like that run it kind of thing and I was like oh cool and then I think he introed me to the lady at the time. Her name was Naomi. Um, and I think she just said, come, 
like come in for like if you want to have a chat and we can, I can tell you a bit more about what we do and stuff and then they did and then I what did I do after that I went to an insight session that they were doing with a client and then I was just like oh what like what industry is this like what is it actually called like I don't really get it then she was just like oh this is like mark this is like marketing essentially like advertising and I was like oh right okay and how crazy is that 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 we don't learn that in schools that we like I mean most people like if I go and pick a 19 year old (laughs) off the street now and say what's marketing they've probably got no idea yeah literally or they just think it's kind of boring like because that's what I thought like I just thought marketing what ain't you guys supposed to be in suits like i was proper like proper 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 confused i was thinking i don't understand like why like why are you like playing hip-hop in the in the office like it was confusing and then she was like no 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 she's like there's like and then she kind of like broke it down a bit like she's like no like there's different agencies and we're a youth agency so that means we work on like youth campaigns which is like targeted at people like yourself and kind of like made me and, and I was like oh I was like I get it and then I kind of just kept that relationship really and um after uni I also came in for like one week's work experience and do I think I was just lucky because on that week they had lots of things going on in terms of like outings and I went to a Viacom community day and that's like something that Viacom do for like young people who are just breaking into the industry and they can talk to different people in the different departments and the company that's that's there under Viacom and I met a lady who was really, really nice. Her name was Mira and she's still there. And like, she's like my sort of link to Viacom now. And we just always talk about different things like representation, events that she's doing and stuff. And that was literally just from that day. We just kept in contact. And um, also they used to have Live Magazine. Do you remember Live yeah, Magazine? Yeah. yeah. And like Live obviously had gone, but it had gone online. So it was only online, but they were doing like a sort of one-off zine for like bring live back like just for that like one month and I was like how mad is that I've come on that week where you're creating the one-off scene and um and I did yeah, a little bit of contribution to that took over the social media and stuff and I suppose then yeah here I am like the, the guys were kind of like oh you should just apply for this this internship program that we're doing like don't know if you'll like it like they kind of pre-warned me like don't know if you'll like it but we think that you'd be like pretty good on it so you should probably think about applying and then I did and then I got it and then I moved and then Iris which is the other agency I was at they picked me to go there that's so crazy just that one kind yeah. of small opportunity has yeah. like shaped your entire entire path yeah literally it's like rip it's like a ripple effect it was it it was just like people saying to me like you know you, you should kind of think about this you know like consider it like because in my head I was just kind of thinking I just want to move to London like I was just thinking I just want to move to London so if this is going to get me here faster then okay I didn't actually think that I take a real interest in the industry and like what's going on and the work and stuff like that. But the more I started to understand it and started to get to know the people and how like different things like looped into it, like music and how like different commercials came together. I was so, so intrigued and like brands that I like, I've super, like I really love Adidas and Nike. And I was thinking these brands get other people to do their work with them. I was so confused. I was like, isn't everything done in house? Like what? And then again, they were explaining to me, they were like, no, some of it is done in house, but 
you have to think like they're global brands like they have different communities that they're trying to target so they have people coming and help them and those people are agencies and I was like oh and so yeah everything was a sort of coming together as I was sort of learning and and finding my feet sort of in the industry I suppose but I think the one thing that I suppose when I was at Iris because it was such a big agency and already had like departments and roles and everything was so sort of fixated I just couldn't find what I was really good at because I was like I really like doing this PR thing but don't think I'm in PR because I kind of like the creative side too and I kind of felt like there was there was no real space for me to be like all of those things at once and then I started like working with the Guap guys and I realised that okay like I even really really could do music if I wanted to like so what's Guap so so Guap sorry Guap is um, an underground music and entertainment magazine but it stands for great understanding and power but it's kind of like how it was first sort of introduced to the world I suppose where the world's first video magazine so it's a quarterly magazine and you use an app called Leia and through um a technology called augmented reality you watch the videos come to life so we go out and shoot all our um interviews and everything and the content but actually now guap's grown over the course of the past three years so we kind of describe ourselves as now just like a network whereby and a platform that champions young people who are creative entrepreneurs in arts and culture, fashion, music, business, and we sort of give them a space to sort of inspire or entertain. It's kind of overall. And then we kind of want to also give the opportunity to people who are emerging. So we give them like the first of their first brief or their first opportunity to shoot a magazine cover, or we give like the people who are on the cover, it will be their first magazine cover. or they'll be like up and coming so people to look out for in the next six months so we started like the music g list which is something that we um release at the start of the year so that we like halfway through the year we think these people are going to be big and most of the time those people do they either get signed or they release it like a one hit that's like everyone knows or something like that so people kind of look to us for like in terms of especially like with young people within London a lot of people now work with us to sort of engage our audience or do quite call outs and different things like that and it's been amazing actually because what started was with just like Ibrahim and Jide who were the two founders and then they brought me on to sort of build out the team and now there's like 25 of us like and we're just doing like loads of different things we've got our art director and we just recently done the um adidas london um by londoners for londoners on their adidas on their instagram stories and all of that was done by us and just like opportunities like that so we've kind of built out a sort of network and community for young people to sort of again be inspired but also get opportunities from and then collaborate with like different institutions or brands or give talks and workshops and stuff like that um but yeah like really when I first um I started talking like with the guys at Guap I was just like really into writing and music so I was just like oh guys I know he's gonna be big yeah so 
listen you just gotta trust me and then they were like oh cool so we'd go to concerts i'd cover them i'd review them and stuff like that and then i was like this is all a crossover like because when i was in the advertising agencies they wanted to know who was hot and like they wanted to know who would be the next big thing and when they were doing like voiceovers they would think oh is there any new artists that we could maybe engage from now or anything like that and i just thought this is what like why is this so separated like these people like my friends who are doing guap should be in these agencies also doing those kind of like briefs or at least collaborating in some sort of shape or form and um again it's that it's that thing of the decision makers if they're not going to those gigs like yeah and I doubt many of the 40-year-old white men are going to those gigs. How, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, they'll, they'll be watching people's Twitters and stuff like that, but, like, yeah, how do know. they really... They don't really know. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I just tried to... really tried to implement that into the agency, like, this is what we should be doing, like, this is it. But again, like, there, there, there wasn't a role for it. It wasn't, like, I was just trying it and saying, this is what I think we should be doing. And then I think it got to like, initially my contract was six months, but they extended it because they did actually want to offer me a full-time role, but we just, again, didn't know what was going to call it or who I was going to, like what I was going to do. And I kind of just came to a decision myself that actually I don't think here is a place for me. I still don't even know if, at the time, I still didn't even know if advertising was. I wanted to stay in advertising, but I just felt like I couldn't really be all the different things that I wanted to be in terms of contribution. And I didn't know what best place was fit for that. So I was thinking about more places like, um, places like Vice and who are doing like loads of different stuff and that they've got an in-house agency and they put out content and stuff like that. And then, I suppose the elephant room came along from that and then I sort of shaped my role into sort of talent and brand sort of management and collaboration. So I can sort of seek talent, offer opportunities, sort of educate people on what kind of roles are out there and how they can fit into different beefs. But then I can also come in and sort of that influencer marketing vibe. So whenever we're doing anything in a creative that requires ambassadors or influencers and stuff like I'd be like the go-to and then I'd like go out and put the feelers out there to my network and be like okay who's doing x and y and then collaborations of like the events and that we can do and like with all the parties that we do at Guap and stuff like that when we want to do something in the elephant room again I can sort of cross wire that and be like I think we should do this because this is what's happening and I feel like I've found my sort of role now. But how crazy that you were working, Iris was like a huge, yeah, like in yeah. the advertising space. Yeah. And you were just like, yeah, I'm going to leave and do my own thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I suppose, but you know, it's like at Iris, it was like the one thing, the one thing about working in a big place like that is that you get to see the structure and you get to see how things like happen on like big scale budgets and everything like that and I was just thinking okay so all I really need to do is understand this and then be able to communicate that to like say the guap guys and figure out how to bridge the gap 
but then and I mean we are talking big budgets I mean yeah, I don't yeah. think people like, really understand like I was in the room the other millions. day yeah <laughs> I was in the room the other day and they were talking about a 10 million 10 million pound yeah, budget yeah, yeah. Um, for, for a, like a technology brand so yeah, yeah like, like, like big budgets like big budgets and um, Dan who was the CEO at Iris he was just like he he to be honest, yeah, like all the people at Iris that really supported me were like super amazing. But Dan was one of those people that at the, like in terms of hierarchy, he obviously was the CEO. So he didn't really get to see a lot of like the junior people or like the ground, like people on the ground or like it wasn't casual for him to just be going into offices and stuff. But he wanted to, like he wanted to understand more about the company culture and what was happening and who the briefs were going to because he kind of felt like you know what we're going through this sort of not renaissance but the future of work is coming like how can we future proof ourselves and he I remember one time right his PA booked in a, a meeting with me and I was thinking I don't know if I'm in trouble yet because <laughs> <laughs> I used to send out these emails and like I just used to always be sending around emails I was thinking I bet it's near time to start sending these emails but actually, so you, well, you just CC'd the whole company? Yeah, yeah. So we, we had this like, like all, like this like sort of, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically like people just share stuff, like anything, oh, has anyone seen my bank, um, I don't know, calculate a thing or is, is anyone um, got any spare rooms going, my friends, like just stuff like that. But it was just like in-house in the agency. And um, not everyone was a part of it because you had to opt into it, but I opted in and I'd send it round and stuff. <laughs> and he he actually just wanted to know a little bit more about myself and like um, if I was doing any like talks and that and like any like um, presentations that he could come to. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, and then actually he did, like he came to one of my talks and it was so crazy because I was thinking, oh my gosh, like he actually really came like, after work like that's crazy and then after the next morning like sent around this whole email like about how well I did and I was thinking whoa like this is actually insane like I don't understand how I've made a friend out of the CEO like me at the intern like not even junior intern level like and I think people then started to not not respect me I don't think that's the word but take a little bit more notice of me like they would stop me in the corridor like yeah you're like Shanice who was, I was just like yeah yeah and it's like oh that you should tell me and, and then again through that I started talking to more people and people just started telling me what they're into and I was just like oh sick and I was like this this concert's coming up you know you should like think about that and stuff like that and then when I was telling him when I was sort of debating leaving or not he was just like oh I think I think we should I think we should start again like I think we should like maybe do something together and and like yeah we didn't know what it was called but that is the elephant room and I was thinking what like and he was just like yeah like if you if like he was basically saying thinking about combining our skill sets and and like sort of knowledge and experience of the world and like with his obviously like extensive knowledge of business and understanding of marketing and advertising and the ways of working in the traditional sense and then my sort of like cultural understanding and then my own networks and ability to attract talent if we like sort of fuse the two and then build a founding team of like a creative director and an insight person then he was like I think we could like really like do something like and I was like okay 
<laughs> my mind like... is so blown. The CEO started a new company with the intern. <laughs> That's so yeah, mental, I but mean, so brilliant. Yeah, he's insane because we were reflecting the other day and he was like, who knows, maybe like, like I would, I could have gone one way and he could have gone another. Maybe he would have started something separate. Maybe I would have done another business or whatever, but somehow we just ended up together in that room talking and then a business came out of it but it's amazing though because I think like between all of us like the, all the co-founders like there's five of us and we are so 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 different I always do you guys remember the Renfred Rejects on yeah. Nickelodeon yeah yeah, yeah. it's the foot like the football thing yeah yeah and it's like I always I always think of us as that like if it wasn't football that was uniting them they would never be friends and I was like actually if it wasn't for like advertising and like our, our vision for like again like the future of work and how we see things then we probably wouldn't have even really come across each other in our sort of like paths and stuff but it's actually quite nice that we did because now we teach each other so much and each of us is inspired by if it's not one it's the other or if it's not everyone it's someone each like every day because there's a new conversation like that's happening and Will's amazing and he's he's like ability to sort of break down like cultural analysis of people and, and I'm just like I just see this is why I'm just I'm not inside because that breakdown is way too deep for me but it's so good that he can do that and then that helps the creative because um we try and not separate the two when it comes to sort of the insight and the creative we say that they go hand in hand so I created it to Katie, her attention to detail and her ability to just create is amazing. But when she's working with Will, she learns so much about people. So she's just like, oh, no, actually, I'm going to change my idea because now I've got this new vision. So I think it's really nice that kind of when we decided to um, create the elephant room that we were all so different and we all had such different skill sets and now we've sort of just finding our feet on how we then contribute and give that value because I think a lot of young people do struggle in thinking like oh what is my value here like what am I actually contributing like what am I doing and for me I used to think if I wasn't writing things down or if I wasn't if I didn't contribute to the presentation then my value is not there like because I can't see what I've done but me being a part of the meetings and the briefings and them like bouncing stuff off me that was the value but it's taken me a while to sort of learn that actually I don't need to write things down or put together a presentation in order to be valuable I just need to be able to give a valid opinion really and a sort of something that's going to come from a different space or a different place in my head where nobody else would have sort of thought of it yeah it's been key for us isn't it building our business yeah like being different mm. I think that's kind of where it's been successful isn't it yeah, so it's yeah. that you can do kind of like something interesting something a bit new and yeah people just love it yeah. what would your um, advice be to, to a young person trying to find their value like how how would you do that I'd say like I'd say that the search is always different depending on the individual because I think for myself because I because I class myself as creative but I can't actually like draw or mm -hmm. like do anything, then for me, that's like a little bit of a struggle because I'm like, I don't know how I'm creative, but I know that I am because I have a creative brain. So for me, I would just encourage them to like 
seek the things that they don't like doing and then seek the things that they really enjoy. And when they are doing the things that they're enjoying, how are they excelling in those things? For some people, it's writing it down and saying, oh, I did, like, for example, I confirmed a, a date for our event yesterday. I was like, tick. I was like, yes, now I'm like, I know I'm valuable. Like, not like I know I'm valuable, but I'm like, I know that I'm working because something's been ticked off on my list that I've been working on for a long time. So just like, just seek things that like makes them happy or, and again, like talk to different people. And I feel like everyone has like, everyone has a sense of doubt in their head. Like everyone has it. And I think it's important to talk about it openly and for people to share those differences because actually if we talk about something openly and you say something like I don't know you know I'm really feeling like I'm not working hard enough because I haven't helped this person but I'm like yeah but actually you've helped me because I've I've not understand how to do podcasts and I know how to meet people and you wouldn't even know you've had that impact on that person for that person to then tell you that you've had that so then you feel that sense of like oh actually I didn't even realize I was having that impact on you so thank you for telling me do you know what I mean so I think it's important that people start to have more of a conversation and don't be like shy about um not sort of having it everything hands down like everyone learns like on the go and you have to just keep going if you stand still then you just you won't learn anything and you'll just end up in that same space that same sort of uncertainty and you just can't so you you better to walk through it than to just like keep standing there I think and I just I just encourage everyone to sort of be proactive I always say like if you don't like the state of something then figure out a way not to change it but to make it better do you know what I mean and because change doesn't come overnight like I'm very well aware of that and I think if someone's always looking for an instant change, they'll probably always be disappointed because like even the state of the industry, it's probably the, the change that I want to see is probably not going to happen for the 25 to 50 years, mm. really. But actually the impact and the sort of improvement day by day that I can contribute is something that's going to lead to that. So it's just knowing that actually looking at the ways I can make things better or contribute to different people and stuff like that. So I just say to just keep going and be proactive and talk about it and be open and don't be sort of ashamed of feeling inadequate for that two, three days, but don't stay there. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's such a, a huge problem, especially with, with creative people. Yeah. Um, like they, they say that the seeds you plant now will be the tree that you're sitting under in five years' time. Yeah. And I, I live my life by that because we don't, see instant results from yeah, the work definitely. we're doing it that it pays off down the road so down i think road, people yeah. can get disheartened and and the amount of like dead blogs there are that started with so much like oh this is so exciting yeah. i'm doing this thing i'm doing this project and yeah. i put on a, an event and only three people came and then that's it you they kill it because they didn't get the result that they wanted straight yeah. away and it's like your first event three people will come mm. but if it's really good and you delivered enough value to them at that event they'll then bring a friend next time and then you'll yeah. have six people six at the people, event yeah. and that's time. that's it's just how it works um so yeah i think people need to yeah they really need to get over that that kind of fear and it is it's really hard but i think that's the, it's kind of the aim of this podcast when people see like your story and the other people that we've that we're interviewing they'll realize nothing came overnight for any of these people they just yeah. kept going because they had self-belief and they had this vision of what they wanted their future to look like yeah definitely and i try to be like 
like as open as possible like on like social media and stuff and about how I'm still sort of finding my feet sometimes yes. and sometimes I'm thinking what what am I doing like I just don't understand and like like I think I tweeted like not so long ago like I moved like I moved to London and like I think it's like on a 16k salary like everyone knows that London is mad expensive so that is literally peanuts so mm. and it's just about like being able to express your truth and not be ashamed of it and you know what I mean like I I'm openly said like I've lived in places I don't I don't like and I haven't been happy but actually in order to do what I've I'm doing I've had to make certain sacrifices so I feel like sometimes people are like oh my gosh you're doing so well oh my god but yeah but actually I'm out here and I'm having to save pretty like you know what I mean like because it's it's like those little things and I think it's important that people just again continue to share truth I feel like if if people if people are honest about their situations and they're openly happy to have conversations that they may be a little bit vulnerable in other people will learn from that and they'll might be like actually you know what i can make that move because there's certain i i know certain people who are looking at jobs in london who want to move here but they're not settling for anything anything less than 28k and that's fine like there's mm. a standard that you want to do and fulfill but it might not happen as quick as you want it to you might get that job and you probably will get that job but you could move quicker but it, you just might make the sacrifice of something like 20k and you might just have to you know make that people sacrifice. don't want to be uncomfortable like exactly. they want their supreme hat and their and yeah, to yeah. be able to buy like 10 rounds of drinks and yeah exactly. and it's like just sacrifice that for like i mean we sacrificed for like what years. five years maybe yeah. mm. like we weren't taking a proper wage for like for a good five years yeah yeah i sold my sneaker collection to fund this business like really? yeah wow. do you know how hard that I was, was gonna for say, me i was going to say i think a collector <laughs> that's, that's insane he's a massive collector really yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and yeah, so that's, but that's it's like because i saw i saw the future it's like yeah i love shoes i really really love shoes yeah. but like do you know what's more important is firstly i love work I just I love it like I love what we're doing I love what we're building and it's more important to me than Mm. than like having nice shoes (laughs) it really is even though it's hard it's it's so hard but like yeah but I and I think a lot of people struggle with that especially Mm. when they're looking at their friends and because we're all trying to fool each other and and they've got the the newest the newest whatever yeah it's definitely true like I think and also as well, like, an el- there's an element about just working smart. Like, I do, like, my thing, Girls Let's Talk, and, I, like, I don't I don't put any money into it because it's just a passion project and I just don't have it. But I think it's a really important space to be able to create. So everything is off of, like, relationship building and just people that I've... Um, I've sort of met along the way who like know venue owners and the cause and like what I'm trying to do and like, ev- like nine times out of ten everyone supports it and I think even with Guap and stuff like a lot of the people who now write for us and stuff they'll be like oh my gosh like these events like I would have never have known but it's just like actually if you become a part of something like a platform or a community or you just build relationships with different people that not necessarily to take from them but just understand a little bit more about how they're attending where they're attending how they're going to these places how they're getting invites to those things and then sooner or later you'll realize that actually i don't need to put loads of books into going on a night out when actually 
there's this free event happening for young creatives and I might meet some interesting people here mm. instead of that Saturday night out with the girl. And I know, it's, again, it's like, it's comfort zone because it's your friends and you can go wherever you want and you pick that. But actually, sometimes it's nice to just do things that you've never done before and meet people that you've never met before and stuff like that. So I always encourage people to like become a part of somewhere or something that has access to those things where you can still maybe get an outlet of like if I don't know if you really like eating out and like obviously it's expensive to eat out all the time but is there a food blogging community that you can become a part of or is there just a sort of um a foodie who's putting out sort of threads where places to eat cheap and then you get to know that person and then do you know what I mean and then all of a sudden you like you you're part of this foodie community and they get invited to these things, this taster workshop, and you're like, oh shit! You're like, king of that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like it's 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 about like being able to still fulfil obviously your obviously interests and your wants and needs, but you don't have to spend loads of money doing it. And mm. do you know what I mean? Even like stuff like fashion, like. I know like loads of my friends who are into like vintage clothes and stuff and they find the sickest bargains. And I'm just like, where do you, where, like, what is this? And now I've started following like loads of different like, vintage spots and like when their sales on and stuff like that. And it's so cool because it's like, I would have never have known like them things are mm. out there, but I've just sort of spoken to different people and I've seen like what they're following or what they're into. And then now it's like, you can get literally like jeans for like three pounds i'm like where like, yeah. but actually it's out there you just have to go and look and find yeah. those interesting spots and people i think that's the thing like if you buy something from h&m you walk down the street and you're like oh there's that girl wearing my coat yeah. you know it's like whereas if you get something from a vintage store you're not going to see another yeah. one of those it's like literally. it's better and it's yeah. cheaper literally and I, I always do that now like i just think what is it that i really want to do what is it that I'm willing to sacrifice and what is it that I just need to change a bit? Yeah, <laughs> and, and like you said, I think it's really important. There's so much opportunity. Yeah. Like, Adam, you never pay for your meal. You get you get free meals yeah. wherever you go. Oh, yeah. gee. No, not all the time. That's a bit of the top. But often, you, yeah. you, won a, you won a competition to, um, you got sent, what was it, to the Caribbean? Like, yes, we went, to, we went to Antigua for, oh, sick. it's one of those things where you feel like no one ever actually wins one of these things. But we got um, oh, yeah. the Foodism magazine and Sandals are doing kind of like a collaboration. I know it's Escapism magazine, so they're owned by the same people. Yeah, just like a free thing. I thought, well, might as well go along to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the day after I got back from New York as well. So I was like really tired. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, I was like, oh, we might as well. Like, it's, yeah, it'll yeah. be fun. Like, I'm tired, but it'll be really fun. And yeah, we got there and there was... Um, a competition that evening where if you took a picture of the eve like something in the, in the night posted on instagram you got a chance to win a holiday so we're like okay that sounds good <laughs> and um there was a girls and always big kind of caribbean carnival wear so i like, mm. took a picture like quickly edited it on my phone posted it and um we were kind of like checking the hashtag as the night was going on and there was like about half an hour before it was due to be released yeah i think there was about 12 entries and five of those were staff so we we're like well between the two of us, we've got a two in seven chance of winning this. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's else, like, because I'm like, I do photography, so everyone else's photo was like pretty awful. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to win this. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll be disappointed if I don't. <laughs> yeah. And then they announced so it. And I was yeah. like, 
and they're like, oh, um, is, it, is Adam Brazier here? I was like, I kind of knew it was going to happen. And then, yeah, and yeah, we got sent to Antigua for like an all-in. I love how you were just like, I'm going to win this. Yeah. I think all knew was going to win. It's so crazy. And another thing that. that we did as well is like, we we would look at things that we wanted to do that we didn't want to pay for. Mm. Um, and we just approached them. So yeah. um, so I really, there was a, there's a tattoo convention that's like one of the biggest in in the world that's um, in London every year and so I I was tattooing at the time Mm -hmm. um, when we were just kind of starting up the business and but I really wanted to go to this convention but tickets are like 30 pounds for the weekend and at that point I was like yeah "Yeah, I can't afford that so I just sent them an email like oh graffiti is the cousin of tattooing or something something that I came up with and I was like um we're, like we'd love to do some like live painting at your event because then I was like then I'll get a free ticket and they emailed back and were like yeah how much will it cost and we were like oh Ooh. wait yeah. what? I'm sick oh, you want to pay us <laughs> to be there so it went from like I think we, we look at things and as humans we always accept like we kind of accept this is the way that things are yeah, done. done and yeah. so we see like oh this is how much tickets are for this event but if you just contact them and just try yeah. and flip it on his head and go what can I do for you Yeah, and then hundred percent like I think I remember when I was um again like when I was interning I really really want like I love ad week advertising week and I really really wanted to go but then I think I got like a message like I was so disheartened like sorry um tickets don't really go to our interns like we have to save them for our juniors and I was like do you mean why am I on the email chain then take me back? I was so angry like, <laughs> don't be mean I was just like I was so I was actually so sad like I papa went to like um, the lady at the time who's been told me and I was like I just don't understand why I'm on the email why would they send it out if I'm not allowed to go and I'm an intern if, I, if I'm an intern and I'm not allowed to go then why am I like I was proper 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 angry and then after um, being, because I made up such a fuss I ended up getting the thing but then I didn't want it because I was just like no because yeah, this is pity yeah, yeah. I was like this is not the same and then um, and then the following year that's when the elephant room had started and I was asked to be on a panel there and I was just like what? like yeah. that is insane and then the following year after that which was this year um, the, I feel like applications are really early like the year before so I was like oh shoot I missed the application I would have wanted to do a speech thing like a speech there or whatever and then I just emailed in like so hey I'm Shani da, 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 da. and she's like we can't give you like an open slot because obviously like they've all been taken but we can put you in between these two speakers and you can do like a keynote for like five to ten minutes I was like sick <laughs> I was like okay like that's fine but then even just stuff like that like I would have never thought that that is something I would have been able to do but because I was on the panel prior to obviously the year before and just going from like being told like as an intern you can't go and then now people are like oh my gosh I want to hear from you I just feel like now I'm just like yeah nothing is impossible yeah, because just ask yeah like right. literally just ask the question and send that email or whatever it is that like, you just never know and like actually they might really value that you even want to be a part of it like they're mm. like, be like oh my gosh like you think this is cool like okay like because I think at the time um the lady she was just like oh would you want to be interviewed like because you know like 
you're like mad young and yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy that you find this so interesting i was like yeah like but of course i do like but yeah like it's not for oldies or whatever so <laughs> i think it's just important to just like yeah express your interest and you never know what could happen to be honest yeah we're all too scared to ask yeah definitely i think and i think it's kind of like i mean I always say it, but it's the system as well. Like, I think we go to school, we go to college and we go to uni and it's kind of like that student teacher thing. So it's like, don't spoke unless you, don't speak unless you're spoken mm. to. Put your hand up before. And it's like, it's this weird thing where it's like people have a fear of like being the first one of or like moving forward. I remember I went to a talk and a lady was like, I've got five pounds. Does anybody want it? And she's being serious. No one got up. Mm. And then she was like, no one wants five, no one wants my five pounds. I'm actually giving away this five, like, n- I'm telling you for about a good four minutes, everyone was just like, huh? Like, and then, and then a person went up and then everyone went from me. Yeah. And then she was just like, that, what, that she was trying to make a point yeah. that it's like, it's like, I was, I'm literally giving you free money and no one wants to take the leap of faith or the benefit of the doubt. Like, I'm not lying. Like, you just have to trust your instinct and yourself and go forward and take that leap. And I think, wow, like, I didn't even get up and I was thinking, yeah, I need to change. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? Like, so just stuff like that, I just think is really important. Like, I don't feel like we're, I don't think we're told enough from an early age to take risk and be bold and to like you know sort of voice our opinion and stuff like that I don't think that in schools and like colleges and stuff we're encouraged enough to do that mm. which means that when we do enter like certain spaces or we workplace where obviously we, we've sort of instilled with like not necessarily fear but a part of it is fear but it's just a sort of why would I do that yeah like it's yeah, just, just not normal the education <laughs> system kind of feels like you're just training yourself to be safe. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like you. It's like it's like school, college, uni. It's like family, safe, safe, job. safer. Yeah, like, it's like yeah. yeah, literally. And it's just like actually, like no, like and it's crazy because sometimes when like me and my friends always have these debates about like lawyers, accountants, and stuff, and doctors because that's what our parents are like. Yeah. Oh, that's what you should be. But I'm like, you know, like people who are at the top of their game in like advertising and create get paid like if we're mm. talking about finance like yes a doctor gets paid a lot of money but so does like the ceo of wpp like yeah. i'm so confused <laughs> like, why are we not in, i'm so good like a creative director like salary is a good salary like if we're really gonna go into that if it's just a finance like why would we not encourage that like i don't understand like if it's just about finance but i feel like because our parents didn't know about those roots and those sort of mm. those different salaries and those different sort of brackets of what what this is and what that is they just think okay accountant gets paid loads of money so but then, but then again, the that's that's the the system and the schools and yeah. the the parents perpetuate it. Yeah, that money is the but the goal. Right, who talks about happiness? Yeah, exactly. Who talks that's about happiness? True. Like, I mean, you could have like you could be working at an agency, get, earning a fat check, yeah, but be really really unhappy. So exactly. then, what's the point? Yeah, like, exactly. Because when we die you can't take it with you like exactly. it's it's all about like what you're doing with your days and and are are you happy yeah. and no one talks about that it's not a, not a discussion that we have in schools like it's just yeah. or oh, how much cash can you earn mm. that's it and that, i think that's, that's also like important because i think i think i was listening to something 
think it was Jim Carrey actually. And he said something like, you could easily fail at something you hate, so why not fail at something you love? And yeah, I was thinking, yeah. that is so true. He also like, said, um, I wish everyone could be famous for a day like, or, or could be famous so that they realised that, that it's, <laughs> it's not the it. yeah. 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 yeah like, and I was just thinking that, like, I was just proper thinking that's so true. And I think ultimately is about being happy because everyone's sort of idea of success is so 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 different and as long as you're happy in the making then really that is that is successful right like you know what i mean it's like so many people could have so much peace but then they're not even happy with what they've done or they feel like oh actually i'm alone or i'm not I haven't done this or i regret not traveling or do you know what i mean and it's like well when you get to the end of the tunnel it's like are you really successful then if you haven't done what you felt like you wanted to do do you know what i mean so i feel yeah. like it's also just something about being honest with yourself and always sticking to your truth. Do you know what I mean? Like the moment I feel unhappy is the moment I sort of rework my goals. And like, I look back, I go back to the drawing board and I'm like, okay, I need to rethink this because I'm actually not happy right now. Like, and there has been times where that's happened. Like I've, I've spoken to like my team and I'm like, you know what guys, I don't think I'm very happy right now. And they're like, okay, what, like, what do we need to do? Like mm-hmm. everyone's like really supportive of that. And, we sort of go back there, do you know what I, I mean? I think people are too scared as well to be honest about that kind of thing. Yeah. And they're happy to just sit in a hole of kind of like misery. It's it's and... such a hard thing to spot as well, I think. Like, mm. I, I think there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily unhappy. They're just nothing. They're just limbo. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I read um, this book by Amanda Palmer called The Art of Asking, which is a fantastic book. It's like one of my favourite books I've ever read. And she tells a, a like an anecdote in there. It's it's like a fable or something. But and um, there's a dog that's absolutely like howling mm. like so loudly. And uh, someone comes up to the farmer and says, "Oh, you your dog's howling. Why is he making that terrible, terrible noise?" And the farmer says, "Oh, he's sitting on a nail." And the person says, "Well, why doesn't he move off of the nail?" <laughs> yeah. And the farmer says, "Because it doesn't hurt enough yet." And it's like we put up with so much stuff because it doesn't hurt enough yet. Like there's so many people who are going into their jobs every day and it's funding their lifestyle. It means they can go home to their flat or whatever, but they're not happy. It just doesn't hurt enough yet for them to make that change. And I think it's about it's self-awareness of just like working out where you are in your life and like, am I happy or do I need to like, does something need to shift Mm. because I'm just doing the same thing every day Mm. and I'm not I don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. No, definitely. I think for me, it's like, like I feel like sometimes I'm in this place where I'm like, okay, I know that this is what I want to do. These are like goals that I'm sort of long-term. And then it's like, okay, these are like, oh, I need to do tomorrow kind of thing. But then I feel like, but am I happy in doing those things? Like I always think of like my short-term goals, am I going to be happy fulfilling them? My long-term goals, is that actually really what I want to do long-term? Mm-hmm. Like, am I just writing it to write it? Or is it something I really want to do? So in fact, I find myself changing them all the time. Like some people always say to me like, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, listen, I'm trying to get through five months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's always, it's always changing. Like yeah. it's always changing. And I think I've learned, I, I used to think that because I was like that, I couldn't set goals because I was constantly changing them. So I used to feel like, am I just not very good goal setter? Because 
I'm just always like shifting like this now actually I don't want to do that anymore like but then actually I've like I've learned to accept that it's actually like a real it's a good trait of me like I'm I'm quite honest with myself and like I always rework something if I don't feel like it's not something I want to do like I just can't do it like it's just it's just I just I'm just like I just can't do it like it's like even if I want it I just can't so I just think it's yeah it's about being honest with yourself and being able to sort of have that converse have that conversation with yourself and be like do you really want to do this is this something that you really want to fulfill and if not then just go back to the drawing board but I think people are also afraid to go back to the drawing board Mm. like so many people are afraid of restarting or like pressing pressing that reset button and it's like it's okay like do you know what I mean if it's not something you want to do then you're not like you don't have to force yourself through something that you don't want to do do you mm-hmm. know what I mean yeah but, your mum will forgive you eventually yeah because like, you know that's the I mean? thing isn't it they worry about what people are going to think about them what people are going to think yeah, yeah exactly and I, and I think now nah, like you can't even do that because you'll go so far far into it and then there's no turning back now I'll just get out yeah. Exactly. yeah they're sitting on the nail they're yeah. just going to keep on sitting on the nail because Literally. they don't want they don't want to upset people or people yeah. to think they've taken a step back in their life yeah or they've like, failed or whatever yeah. and in five years time you're going to be so much further ahead if you step back now like yeah, yeah it makes sense 100% 100% um, and, and I think the, the mad thing that seems to me that you've basically like engineered your own happiness <laughs> by creating a company that's just like this is all the cool shit I want to do <laughs> I'm not going to get boxed into your oh you can't make music videos you can't like you've just gone what's all of the cool shit that we want to do okay that's our company yeah I love that <laughs> yeah it's so funny though because it's like explaining that sometimes is a bit like people like what do you do though but I'm mm. like I'm like no guys it's an agile company like we're creative and that's like we can create stuff but then an agile I think, company I like that like, do you know what I mean and I think it's like but that's why it's great as well because with everyone's sort of um, experience we actually we actually can do like so many different things mm-hmm. based off the experience like when like my team went away um, just last week to Taiwan and I wasn't in like I was involved in like the creating like when they were here but I didn't go but that's because it just wasn't necessary like mm-hmm. I didn't need to be there because between the four of them they were good like do you know what I mean and I think sometimes it's also about like knowing what you can contribute to and then what you can't or whatever that is and I think as a company it's, it's actually really nice to know that we can produce a music video but then if we need to do this like massive consumer research insight piece and that we need like a big data piece done and we need to like tap into some <clears throat> intelligence spots and stuff like that like we can still do that based on our networks and the actual experience that people have had so i think not everyone's ready just yet for a company like that I don't think that can actually be able to be so agile and Mm. have all these different sort of like experience and knowledge behind them and it's not even a case of like oh we can do everything this is what we do because we bring on collaborators we can't do everything but based on our networks and our experience we'd have the ability to do it and I think that I hope we always say the future of work is changing like people need to catch it's changing people don't want a nine to five anymore and if they do they want to have flexible working because some people operate better in the morning so they want to finish at four and then do something else after that like people don't want to 
they want their companies to support their passion projects and if they're not they're out you can't just offer them like a big check and like Mm -hmm. and it's like sometimes when um, we're working with clients we have to let them understand like your consumers want this yeah (laughs) (laughs) and this is what's popping and a lot like that our generation now is a lot more aware in terms of like sustainability, social good. They want to know what the company stands for. So you need to get your brand purpose in, in check because it's not it's not just good enough now to just be like, oh yeah, we've got a sick product. Like mm-hmm. people actually want to know what you're about and what are you doing and how you can help people and stuff because they just won't buy your product. Like that whole idea of loyalty to this doesn't exist anymore. Like even like we've seen it with the Google Pixel, the camera is lit. Yeah, they're doing all these curiosity rooms. They're bringing in that, they've done that digital zine. So many people have now moved on to the Google Pixel and the iPhones, it's like, oh, nah, I'm not really on it. Like, I don't really want the iPhone anymore. And it's just like, even just that shift, it's a small one, but it's like, everyone has an Apple. At, at one point it was like, if you ain't Apple or Samsung, then yeah. it's like, you're not if even the, a part of the, the crew. If the text message turned green, then yeah, it's like, like no. you weren't even a part of the crew. But then Google came out of nowhere, made this Pixel. And the camera is like insane. They've got these ambassadors that are all these cool people in technology and different like different sectors. And now it's like all of a sudden they're like, they're catching up in the market. Mm. And it's like, that's over a course of like, what, a year and a half. So imagine the next four years, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think that, I think again, I think it's just about having clients and agencies that understand that because even with agencies like, they're gonna lose work if they don't collaborate with younger people or the wider creative industries because briefs will go to them instead of their big overheads. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's like it's, it's even Guapa an example. Like, we're now being asked to like pitch on a brief like with like Nike and mm. all them kind of different people, and it's like mad. Like Ibrahim will be like that's insane like I didn't even think that we could do that but and how old is Guap? three years old three years yeah. old and, and really getting... it's like two because the first year like they'd, it was just a magazine it wasn't doing like content like mm. that we're just going out and shooting and this is and just stuff. mates just putting some stuff together that yeah. just shit that they think's cool literally and like Nike have thought wow like your community listen to you your like your content creation is lit like you're putting all this together you've got like an in-house art director who's like up and coming like you should actually come and do this thing with us mm. like and he's just thinking wow like this is what's happening <laughs> like do you know what I mean like and it's like agencies they want those briefs like they want those to be invited to those pitches and they want to be able to work on that cool stuff but if if they don't realise that actually these young people have the absolute potential to be their competitors to some extent then that will just that will it will just end up where they'll either take over or they'll work against them and really it should just be a collaboration mm-hmm. process and i think that idea of collaboration scares them a bit but actually for the elephant room it's like we really thrive off it like we want to collaborate and we will say no to a brief if we think we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can accept that. We're not a PR company and sometimes they're like, oh, they want to do this launch thing and have, I mean like, you know what? 
we're not we don't like that's not our specialist PR but we do know some PR companies mm -hmm. so we'll pass them on and I think it's just about accepting like what you're really good at and what you can do and then who can do that better than you do you know what I mean and be able to pass on the word or recommend or whatever it is and I think we do that pretty well we're trying to practice that from early on in the journey so that when we do become like massive or whatever it is that people will then return the favor so it's like oh you know mm -hmm. not all sport the elephant room can do x or yeah. they can do whatever it is or they've got these people on their books so you should holler at them do you know what i mean so yeah so i'm just going to quickly ask you um mm -hmm. you were recently featured as the like new face of linkedin yeah. how did that come about <laughs> you know what they found me on linkedin no way. i like i i love linkedin <laughs> like i think it's so good and um, I don't know if you guys have on LinkedIn, but like, there's like these sponsored messages that you get sometimes. Yeah. So I just thought it was like a sponsored message because this producer, like casting producer thing, like messaged me. And then I read it properly and I was just like, oh no, it's LinkedIn, the company. So it's like, okay, so like I'll email back. They, let me say, they downplayed that. When they were telling me about this campaign they were doing, oh yeah, it's just going to be on some digital posters, um, a little bit of like uh, sort of following around and stuff. Like you will only need like a couple of hours of like out of the day for your time and stuff. Like I was thinking, oh, okay, cool. Like that's cool. They were like, oh, have you got any friends that, you know, do you want to come down for that? I was like, oh yeah, I'll tell my friends or whatever. Next thing you know, came the day camera crew of about 25 people <laughs> like big red vans security in their like sort of visors i was like wait, wait what where's this going i'm so confused so I, was, I was like the producer proper played this down the casting producer proper played this down and they're like yeah it's gonna be on like billboards and like the cheat i was like what so i was like what no 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 i didn't know this and then just like yeah like we've done the equivalent in la like, have you seen the LA stuff? And I was like, no. And then they sent me the LA stuff and I was like, no, this, it was massive. Like it was unlike built like skyscrapers. And I was thinking, is this what's gonna happen? They were like, yeah, well not skyscrapers, but like, yeah, like on the undergrounds and um, it's gonna be Manchester. And I was like, okay, I don't understand. What do I, what do I need to do? Like, do I need hair and makeup? Like what? Like, what's I was proper panicking. But then actually it was just, they were just like, no, nah, just be yourself. Like we'll just like follow you around and we'll like talk to you and stuff. And the director was really cool. And, and the DLP, like he's like my mate now. Like everyone was like super, super friendly. LinkedIn were really, really lovely. Like they invited me in to their offices after like to just talk about myself a bit. And like, I still chat to them now and they're really, really nice. And again, it just happened off LinkedIn. Like they literally just, they just messaged me on like on DM. So <laughs> it was crazy. insane. And even like I went to number 10, like, two days ago they just dm'd me on linkedin like no way yeah like it's insane like I, I honestly do encourage people to go on there like you never know who's watching and their papa reach out to you like yeah that's that's the thing isn't it i think like just going around and just putting your flag mm -hmm. in these different places it's like because you never ever know who's yeah. gonna like notice or who's gonna reach out like it's yeah 100%. it's absolutely huge and if you're not on these platforms then you can't get discovered yeah like, and if you're not using them to your advantage as well yeah. like 
I think that like everyone always says to me like how do you use LinkedIn and I'm just like I've just log on yeah, yeah. Like, I just I just be myself like I don't have like a professional photo like I'm like, I'm just myself like it's not really a tactic it's just being honest you know what I mean and I think when I was at LinkedIn they said to me that they asked a group of university students who they think is the ideal person to use LinkedIn and they said Alan Sugar (laughs) and LinkedIn were like what like that's and that's their idea of LinkedIn like Alan Sugar and they were like, Alan Sugar's not even on LinkedIn. Like, he doesn't yeah. even have a profile. And they were like, but then that's, they kind of look, took it as like, it was their fault. Like, our branding or our message is obviously not yeah. appealing mm-hmm. to these young people because they're thinking of Alan Sugar as the ideal person on LinkedIn. That's obviously not a reflection of them. So they need to have more people who are relatable to them. Yeah. And I think that has definitely been one of their like agendas. So then since that, I've had people come to me and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I signed up to LinkedIn now because that's in your, I was like, oh sick, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, like exactly. So I think that is just important to just recognize, yeah, like what is it, who you want to be on your platform and then reflect that in the sort of conversations and the adverts and stuff. Yeah, I was was painting in a a studio um, and there was just like, YouTube was just playing on repeat um, Mm. in in the studio and, uh, I turned around and your face was there and I was like, I know her. It's so crazy. It's like just, yeah, this YouTube campaign, like yeah. they just pushed it out everywhere. Yeah, it's insane. They, so. Yeah, they pumped so much money into that. But yeah, and I, I do think it like did what they wanted. Yeah. So, and they had like so much different people a part of the campaign and stuff. And pretty great for you as well. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was re- like, because I didn't know what to expect. And at the time they like proper downplayed it. I don't think I was really prepped. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But actually when they did it, it really did give me a sense of confidence for one. And also like just my profile itself, like it really helped that as even as a company, like sometimes we'll play the video and like the story itself, it's not like too cliche. Like obviously yeah, like everyone always says like that grow up on an estate came from nothing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But actually like that really is like an, my, an honest reflection of mm-hmm. like where I come from and like my mom in the video and everything. So I think it was kind of like nice to just have something show me in such an authentic way, but it's not a typical brand. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like even when I was filming people like what's LinkedIn? And I was just like, yeah, you need to sign up because yeah. you'll understand it more. Like I can't even explain. So yeah, it was kind of nice that um, I just got to be myself. And yeah. they still accepted me as a sort of as I am. That's amazing. Okay, well, I'm like I'm so excited to watch your career and oh, how much you. you've done in such a short amount of time is is absolutely incredible. Um, so, my my one last question for you would be um, for a young creative who's listening to this who can't see the wood for the trees and doesn't really know what they're doing or where they're going. What's your like one piece of of key advice? Again, like it sounds so cliche, but honestly just don't give up on yourself like you are like your we are like well we as people are our biggest critiques and like we give ourselves such a hard time because we haven't reached our expectations yet of what we sort of see for ourselves but you just have to take it like each day and step at a time but just continue to keep going like you can't stand still and 
any sort of any sort of opportunity you get to be proactive in whatever you want to sort of fulfill or succeed at then just take that like don't think that anything isn't worth it because you might meet someone at an event that you didn't want to go to but two years down the line that person's going to come in like so so valuable to your career or so so handy to the next step you want to take so I just think I encourage people to sort of meet people genuinely and believe in themselves like from a real like honest place like you can't just be like yeah I believe I believe and then you don't really believe like it's just about really having an honest conversation with yourself and just telling yourself that you can do it and just keep moving forward really and I mean try and reach out try and try and suss people I always say is I try and suss people um personalities online and reach out to them because I try and be as approachable online as possible so if they are online and they can have access to dms or twitter or whatever just reach out to someone that you admire or you want to chat to or they say that my dms are open or whatever and you never know again even that conversation could just give you that boost of confidence so just do that as well amazing thank you so much thanks for listening we're trying to help a lot of people with this show so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message if you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today or they just need a little nudge in the right direction pass this podcast on to them if you want to hear more then subscribe to us on itunes and if we helped you with anything we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an itunes review it makes a huge difference see ya